Before to start with this episode, I just wanted to remind you that Easy Medical Device do have its own shop now. So don't hesitate to go and to find some templates uh, related to the medical device regulation uh, or uh, also some coaching session that I'm offering. Okay, so let's start now with this episode. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Here is Munir Alazuzi from easymedicaldevice.com. And today, we wanted to talk about clinical data, but not for every product. We try to select some uh, products that uh, where it can be maybe difficult to get some clinical data, and you are maybe scratching your head and say, how I will do that. And this is for low-risk products. And I have with me Robert Van Voxtel, who is the principal consultant at MD Project. Welcome, Robert, to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Thank you very much. So, Robert, we will have a good discussion, I think, and I hope it will help a lot of people uh, to gather clinical data for low-risk products. But first of all, can you introduce yourself and maybe also introduce MD Project? Okay, no problem. Um, well, I am Robert van Boxtel. I am consultant now for almost 10 years uh, at the Medical Device Project. And uh, before that, I used to work with uh, Notified Body. And I have been working in the medical device industry basically since I graduated. So uh, for me, I would say that accounts for about 25 years now. Um, and within uh, MD Project, uh, I, I help uh, customers uh, you know, to get in compliance with regulations, standards, uh, quality systems, etc., etc. So it's great. And maybe some people will recognize you because you were also, I, I interviewed you also during the TOPRA uh, symposium in 2019 in October. And we discussed about a similar topic about clinical data for low-risk devices. So for people uh, that want to look again at this uh, video, so I will just put that somewhere here uh, so that you can you can see it and you can I can watch it. Um, so Robert, uh, where are you located again? Uh, we are located in the Netherlands. Netherlands, okay. Yeah, and so, where? Basically, so in all of Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's let's try to help people now to to understand that because yeah, we have uh, a lot of products that are really low risk products that are mainly class one, for example, or even some um, products that are um, that are low risk in terms of the fact that they are not touching patient at all. Um, but at the end, we need to get some clinical data. I mean, I, I, I make a bold if I can sound clinical because clinical means that you are touching patient, if I can say, or you have act on patients. Um, so what are now the requirements of MDR related to those clinical data? Is there any difference also with MDD? Uh, yeah, there is a difference, uh, not so much in what clinical data is, but I'll get back to that. Uh, but specifically on uh, the, the link towards do you need a, a clinical study uh, to show compliance uh, to the MDR requirements. And, uh, you know, all, all your viewers are pretty much aware of these requirements. And uh, I'm pretty sure that they realize, look, we uh, to be able to. Um, 
to show that on my device or my devices comply. I need the uh, information about my devices. Um, the equivalence approach uh, towards you know my devices equivalent is much much stricter. Uh, and all those requirements, you know, you, you have discussed with other um, uh, other people in your in your vlogs. Um, the clinical data definition itself is also slightly changed, which actually provides some openings potentially. And I'll, I'll I'll discuss them later when we dive into the subject a little bit more. So yeah, is the in, in is, are the requirements increased in the MDR? Yes, they are uh, quite a lot, and uh, and and that's what we also experience now. We have a uh, a lot of uh, companies contacting us uh, basically help uh, what uh, what to do now uh, how can we uh, get towards compliance specifically on this subject also okay so um yeah i think i think i get also that from some customers that were saying yeah my product is for example um a plaster or gloves or those kind of things so um how can i get clinical data on on this yeah. so um so where do you think those people can start to get some some of those data where is there a specific place uh yeah well that's a very interesting question of course uh, where can you find relevant clinical data clinical data on on uh, uh you know high risk devices uh, yeah that pretty much most companies will have them on the devices uh yeah. they just still need to evaluate you know uh, is it uh, sufficiently covering the requirements of the MDR? Is the data generated correctly? But how about if you have a device where you know yourself you have uh, in the past uh, maybe done some testing. Uh, by now you have iterated further on and you actually have a quite a new device. Uh, originally, what data do you have? Is it still valid? So people are struggling there, and specifically if you have a low-risk device, you cannot really find any published literature, uh, as an example, uh, because that is a potential source for uh, uh, you know uh, gathering clinical data, and making sure that uh, all this data is included in your in your dossier. Uh, so what to do if you don't have clinical data on your device? Um, in the MDD, there was always an option, in, uh, and that is that is sort of hidden uh, in Annex One. Wasn't really hidden. Uh, sorry, in Annex Ten of the MDD, and uh, that that still allows you to say, okay, um, there is an option to uh, to argue that uh, gathering of clinical data or clinical data by itself is not uh, not uh, um, possible and use preclinical or technical data or biological data uh, towards uh, getting into compliance. I mean, it's more, it's more try to use whatever, try to use whatever you have to- Whatever you have. Yeah, and so, so any device, even a, even a plaster or a scalpel, it has, it has a certain purpose, a, a medical claim. There should be some medical claim. So the question is, how can we, how can we uh, formulate that claim and how can we support it uh, by all the testing data that we have? You do need to have testing data or actual use data. Well, that's another challenge, but let's focus on that later. Yeah. But first, let's focus on uh, the, the, the technical data that you have or should have. Um, they are, should have because uh, everybody realizes uh, iteration of iteration, uh, you know, leveraging of data from one device to another device. You, you know how it works. 
you lose some some uh, in, the, in the way. <laughs> it's a big big issue, and now we make a clear cut. We now have you know MDR uh, devices you want to have on the market for the MDR. Uh, prove it. Prove uh, you know all the essential requirements or GSPRs now. Uh, make sure that you have it in place. So can you use that preclinical data also? Uh, yes, that should be possible. Uh, hopefully, uh, we we think, uh, and that's why we have uh, we are working on an approach to say, okay, we need to have uh, you know certain starting points to say, okay, can we use technical data uh, to support uh, the medical purpose of your device? And if you have a plaster. Uh, yeah, it would also be rather difficult to do some sort of a clinical trial uh, for existing devices. Uh, and there are also some products that are not even in contact with patients. Yeah. Uh, but that by definition are um, a medical device. If you look, for example, sterilizers in uh, uh, in hospitals, uh, in, the, in the CSAs, they, these are they're never in contact. However, their performance very much impact the safety of devices that are being sterilized. So how to do a clinical study for that? How to get clinical data? Um, thankfully for these type of devices, there are product standards and using product standards should be the solution to show, look, we have a device that, that performs, is safe, and indirectly has a benefit for the patient. And that's what you need to prove. Then the regulation requires you to show performance, safety, and benefit for the patient. So if, uh, have, so if we have data directly coming from the product, it's good. If we don't have, we can look for literatures. Uh, if we don't have, we can look for standard or specification, uh, yeah. online standard, etc. So yeah, yeah, there is this kind of pyramid of uh, options that you can go preclinical also if you have some preclinical tests done, etc. So, so you have all this pyramid and you can try to gather data from, from there. Yeah, and you, you should... Uh, I mean, the, 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 the performance of technical testing uh, is to, to demonstrate uh, from your device, uh, it is meeting the specifications, it's meeting design, uh, it's part of design verification. Uh, maybe you have done also usability testing, but it's really about the interaction and what can go wrong or right. Uh, it's not actually clinical data. And uh, as indicated under the MDD, uh, you did have the option very clearly to argue, you know, um, this approach. Uh, mm -hmm. And now in the MDR, um, it becomes a little bit more tricky. Um, you know, if you go over Article 61, you probably have done, and, and, and that's what I also discussed in, in Dublin at the Informa uh, uh, seminar. What we, what we uh, sorry, talk about seminar, what we found there is that uh, if you analyze Article 61, there are only a few, Articles that concern all devices. Most of the articles uh, concern high-risk devices and uh, basically uh, discussing the option to not have clinical trials for high-risk devices. Uh, yeah, that's what is in there. But how about if you have a low-risk device? Uh, of course, you need to do a clinical evaluation, period. That's already in Article 10. So there's no question about that. But what should you evaluate? Um, Okay, so let's let's think about okay, what is your device? What is it going to do? What uh, performance claim? What is the user? Uh, uh, why is the user using your device? Um, what is the impact on the patient? So if you if you can argue and and support all those claims with technical data already, and identify then yeah that fits within the current state of the art. You have done a very good assessment how your device 
uh, is used in daily practice, uh, then you should have the arguments uh, towards getting uh, CE marking. I, I, there's a big disclaimer, of course, uh, I say should have, uh, as you know, this approach and this, 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 this uh, view still uh, needs to prove that it's being accepted by notified bodies, realizing that notified bodies are also scrutinized by their authorities and uh, uh, in, in the joint audit teams. You know, are you really, really uh, making sure that clinical data has been evaluated by the manufacturer? Yeah, so creativity um, is something that should be existing, if I can say, within your your team to really think about all the potential options to do that, yeah. uh, to imagine what can be acceptable by a notified body. As we said, notified bodies are also humans, so one what one will accept can maybe not be accepted by some other, so it should be also common sense. It should be also really uh, something that is logical, uh, that uh, that can show really that the product is is doing what 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 is claimed uh, mainly. But um, as soon as, for example, we have those technic technical uh, data that they are showing performance, they are showing safety of the product, uh, we can definitely say yes, the product is safe and can be put on the market with those information. That, that should be the objective indeed, and that was also accepted under the MDD, uh, really focusing on have we covered all the essential requirements under the MDD, what information and data do I need to gather more that I cannot support with, and if you were able to support everything with preclinical data, and in theory you didn't need any clinical data other than uh, post-market. So now the burden pre-market is more and higher, and whatever you can do at this moment in time to already get data out of your uh, PMS or your PMCF already now, uh, that actually, if you look into the definitions of clinical data in the MDR, um, if it's clinically relevant, uh, it, it, it is uh, clinical data. Yeah. And um, the challenge, of course, is what is data? Is data coming back from the field? Is that, for example, discussions that you have with an expert? Is that data, or I mean, that's or is the questionnaire filled out? Is that data? Is it measurable? Uh, is that is that required? Well, you know, those are all sorts of of thoughts that that come up when you when you start discussing these items first with your clients and later on also with the notebook body. And uh, there's no clear cut answer. However, uh, I. Um, because of the simple fact that for some, some devices, and well, the lower the risk device, the, the more relevant it becomes, there is no uh, data published, clinical data published. It's not, I would say, it's not sexy, uh, you know, to publish articles on scalpels or instruments, you know, <laughs> to implant a knee, for example. Much more interesting is the knee itself. How, how does it perform? You know, what is the benefit for the patient? How long does it perform? What are safety? It's not about the instruments. Yeah, they are necessary, of course, uh, but you don't publish on that. So, uh, and they're very dedicated, so you cannot even generalize, even if there was something published. But uh, would, you, would, you, would you also consider uh, a clinical trial on, uh, on these kind of devices that are really low-risk devices and start to open a, a full clinical trial or investigation for that? How to do that? Even even with more more uh, interesting devices like an MRI scanner, how can you do a? You cannot do a clinical trial there. I mean, a, a randomized clinical trial. 
this is an MD MRI scanner from, yeah, we're not going to tell you. And this is the other one. We're not going to tell you. <laughs> That's not how it works. Um, so if we're not a pharmaceutical business here. This is a medical device industry. And uh, ex for example, uh, the use of MRI scanners or X-ray scanners in the medical field, that is something that you need to argue first. And then out of there come the technical requirements uh, in a, to be able to use it in cardiovascular procedures, these are the requirements. Uh, you know, Mr. F uh, uh, Phillips or, or GE or whoever, uh, make sure that you are meeting these requirements because then technically it can be used. Oh, uh, usability, interfaces, et cetera, et cetera. We can, we can, we can do tests on that. Um, and we can also evaluate later on, you know, uh, did it help out uh, during, uh, during the procedures? But um, uh, is there, is there, trials? Is, yeah, is there a, also something that, uh, as you were mentioning, a lot of brands and, and things, so um, we have already some products that are on the market and that are equivalent to my product. Is it also a way to go to say that my product is safe because this product yeah. that's on the market is safe? Yeah, yeah. Um, th that is still an option uh, if you don't have a class 3 or implant. Uh, the MDR uh, provides you with the option to say, okay, if I can show, uh, you know, with sufficient clinical data, <laughs> what the hell is that uh, on the discussion? Uh, if I can show that uh, and I can argue, you know, from uh, whatever is public about these type of devices, that my device has the same performance characteristic, technologi technologically can be compared. Uh, yeah, then if there is data available, please use it. Um, but you can't find it in the scientific literature. If you're lucky, you can find it in uh, in guidelines from specific professions within you know uh, the medical field. Uh, you know, MRI scanners always use 1.5 Tesla or 3 Tesla, or whatever. Uh, you know, all those those type of of, of of details are known. So you can position your device. Uh, from a clinical point of view, into the, what is now state of the art. So, if you start with any clinical evaluation uh, in the early phases of your design, uh, that is most important. And it doesn't matter what the classification of your device is, you need to have a very good description of your device within the current state of the art or your new device within the state of the art. And then you can start arguing, uh, you know, uh, where are we comparable? That's, that's, that's used the word comparable or similar. Yeah, that's also now written down. I, I don't want to even go to equivalent, but how how is your product going to solve and do something for the patient uh, compared to what is already available? Yeah, we discussed we discussed about that. I think if I remember with uh, Elena Kui from uh, from uh, QMed, uh, so where we said specifically that how we can say that two products are equivalent uh, on a clinical yep. evaluation report. And yeah, now it's they are more stricter about this. Uh, so you have really to show uh, a clear equivalence for uh, biological, clinical, and technical um, technical aspects of the product. Yep. Um, yep. So I think as soon as you have that, you can start to make comparison. But as you mentioned also, maybe the, 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 the device that you're comparing your products to don't have also public uh, data available, so it's also something that maybe can be uh, can be a bit tricky. So yeah, uh, chasing yeah. chasing this information can be can be uh, can be a problem. The other thing is the fact that, as we've said from the beginning, we are talking here about low risk devices. So it means that apparently we already evaluated that the risk is really low. So the risk of damage to a patient is really low. 
can we also go on the other way to go more on the benefits? Because I think it's also what we discussed when we were at Topra. It's about making more the benefit apparent and comparing that really to the benefits to show that even if the risk is low, the benefit is higher. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, well, the, the, the benefit of a device uh, might actually drive, uh, in, hopefully that's something we can work towards to as an industry, uh, can drive uh, you know, the level of data, the type of data that can be accepted uh, by the regulators, uh, the notified bodies. Uh, as, as for example, if we talk about the, uh, the example of a, uh, a stand yeah. or a pacemaker, uh, the benefit is pretty much clear and also well-defined in literature. Um, so to be able to support that benefit, and to also, of course, address the risk, you do need to have clinical data. There's no discussion on that. And uh, everybody agrees on that. Um, but to be able to place the stand, uh, there's a lot of tooling uh, uh, that is hardware and also software needed to make sure that it is there on the right spot. And, uh, you know, there's definitely a benefit there also for the patient. But as a derived benefit. And how are we going to to accept you know, uh, uh, that type of uh, uh, argumentation saying, yeah, this balloon uh, uh, or this uh, sheet uh, you know, allows for uh, placement of, of stents. Um, so can, can we start thinking about more on the benefits point of view and say, yeah, if there is a very, very high benefit for the patient, we do need to prove that by clinical. Um, if you go to the other, side of the spectrum, and we discussed, for example, as, as before, uh, uh, the plaster, everybody will benefit. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's a different type of benefit from a different level. Uh, I mean, if you don't use the plaster, um, most likely you will not die. Uh, in a stent situation, of course, there are alternatives, but there's a pretty hard, darn high uh, uh, <laughs> chance that you will might not survive. Exactly. Okay, so maybe, in, you know, uh, looking at not so much the risk class as, or as well as something new, the benefit classes, we can say, okay, if it's a low benefit and, uh, and, and the risks are also low, uh, we can argue uh, that uh, we will show safety and performance and the benefit for the patient uh, by positioning our device within the existing state of the art and supporting our claims with, uh, uh, as the um, uh, MDR knows as non-clinical test methods, yeah, um, and or bench testing or performance evaluations or uh, you know those those type of uh, uh, data are very valuable if you can argue the clinical relevance of them. So it's 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 I think something that uh, we uh, I think there is no uh, one thing that I was trying to look for is like a standard or some explanation of how to evaluate benefit. How to measure that? Because I had I had a lot of discussion or review related to the requirements of MDR related to benefit risk. How to measure benefit risk? Uh, because it's a very I, nice drawing. Your drawing, yeah. I like it. Yeah, I made, I, made this. I made a picture and the story for this picture is just my wife sent that to me because she's a teacher and she showed me something about that related to another uh, equation and uh, uh, one of the yeah. students was saying that I said, oh, let's use that maybe also for the benefit risk and because it was the same story when, when you are reading now some technical files, uh, you are trying or some clinical evaluation, you are trying to see 
how the company is evaluating the benefit risk. And it's not really obvious. It's not really clear. There is no real fact. It's just that we look at the, uh, the literatures, everything looks fine. The risks are really low. So the benefit is high. So at the end, it's like, okay, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a story. Yeah, there is, there is something. There's a story. It's based on state of the art, your device, uh, how does it perform and the risk related to it. So that's a story that you build up. But to be able to use an equation or something like that, I think that is not going to fly for now um, because the benefit, uh, who determines, for example, if, if, you, if you make a comparison to the risk, there's a risk uh, hazard that can occur uh, resulting in harm for the patient. And we basically say it's of a certain level and we can accept a certain occurrence rate, a frequency of occurrence, and that the, that the hazardous situation becomes reality. And uh, we do an estimation or we support that. So now on the other side, if we have the benefit, we can all say, yeah, there's a benefit for the patient. But then you get into the mode as if you want to use the same methodology and say, okay, but then how many patients uh, should benefit from this device? That's a total different type of discussion. It's very difficult to, to calculate it. And this is where we are uh, trying to find a solution. But I uh, maybe use words in some sort of a, again, matrix type of overview uh, and see, you know, if we can argue the benefit level uh, uh, within that, that area, uh, you can say, okay, if we are in that area uh, for these type of devices, starting point, state of the art, uh, what can be done if clinical data is not needed anymore, uh, this is argumentation. We can use uh, preclinical data or non-clinical data uh, to support our clinical claims and our clinical benefit for the patient. And that's, that's what we are working to. But in the end, I don't think, you know, if you have one matrix here for risk and one matrix here for the benefit, uh, I don't see them yet coming together. I, I see them coming together in your final risk management or, 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 or clinical evaluation report, whatever, you know, whatever document you choose to document it. But it's not going to be in the end benefit divided by uh, risk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> This I, is, I like it. I'm an engineer, yeah. so uh, but yeah, this is, this is something we have to we have I think to to open maybe a, a discussion or projects with because it I think it can be beneficial for some manufacturers because they are looking for this kind of of methodology because mm -hmm. uh, it's it's a bit difficult sometimes to evaluate that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's I think it's still under discussion with uh, with a lot of people. So, but uh, yeah. what will be the difficulties when they will arrive do, do, uh, in front of an auditor and the auditor will read the benefit risk uh, chapter and maybe they will not agree or maybe they will want yeah. something else and then start the discussion. Where is it written? How I can yeah. read, write that? Why, what is the standard right, I should yeah. use? And, yeah. and then we are. But the point. The, the point is. Um, that in the beginning, if you if you have an if you have a new product, or or now we all have new products under the MDR, if you have not argued uh, how your device fits within uh, the current uh, state of the art and the current clinical procedure, and uh, then you 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 will never be able to argue benefit of use of your device. Yeah. So you need to have a very clear 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 understanding of that, and from there on you can say, okay, if we are able. Uh, you know, to show that we meet our claims that are derived from the benefit, we are able to, 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 to demonstrate the intended purpose here, then we have established uh, uh, the benefit for the, for, the, for the patient and we have proven it and we have the data. And, and, but the data is the point, where do we get the data from? Um, you know, preferably as, as, as indicated by, by European Commission, by clinical, uh, clinical data. Okay, that's, that's pretty obvious. But again, sometimes that's not possible. 
what other options do we have? Non-clinical data is very valuable if you can argue and show that it is clinically relevant and also that technically these products are indeed, you know, what's already on the market. No, I think uh, and that's uh, what people now need to do. This is what we now need to go to because they're, they, they're not going to start clinical trials for <laughs> plasters or for scalpels. Or uh, I had some discussions these days with, uh, with people inside of hospitals that are becoming aware of the PMS requirements and they say, you know, the, uh, uh, starting May uh, 26, all manufacturers will be uh, asking for uh, PMS data. And I'm saying, yeah, probably. Um, but they will not line up at eight o'clock in the in front of your front door uh, trying to get the data. That's not what they are going to do. That's not effective. Um, so we need to find a good way, uh, you know, basically, to find uh, a mutual ground. You know, what do manufacturers need? What can they do? And then what hospitals can deliver? But at the end of the day, uh, yeah, the benefit is important. The performance related performance is very important. And the risks. Yeah. We're already used to risks, but now the benefit comes in. So that's, a, I, I think it's a very interesting concept. And you can use a lot of data that you have to show the benefit. If you don't have it, then you're in trouble. Yeah. Then you should already have been, like everybody has been saying the last two and a half years, get post-market data, get post-market data. You didn't do it? Yeah, sorry. No, it's clear. So I, I think, yeah, I think this is a, a really um, interesting topic, I think, for, for a lot of people. Um, I hope they will really benefit from, from it. Um, I think we covered really all what we had to say about that. But one thing I wanted to ask is mainly, um, what are you doing at ND projects maybe to help uh, companies uh, related to that? Yeah, well, uh, you know, on the on the bigger picture, of course, uh, as early as possible within development, uh, getting uh, in good shape. You know that you don't have to go back. You know, redo Quite tests. Uh, yeah, just basically effective design for medical devices. Uh, but then now in the current situation where you have a lot of customers saying, "Yeah, we already have products in the market. MDD. Uh, we need to get in compliance with the MDR." Is uh, sit down with them and go over their data. You know, and 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 see how they have written down now the intended purpose and what benefits, what claims do they make. And, and work on that and see how that can be supported. And what we do find is that there is a lot of equivalence discussions now in clinical evaluation reports that is based on devices that are some sort of similar, uh, but you cannot really use that data. So there's a, a big hole suddenly. Um, and are these devices now safe, uh, unsafe suddenly? No, no, of course they're not unsafe. Uh, so we give them some assignments to get information back from the market. But also we look into, okay, what, what uh, non-clinical testing have you done and how can it support additionally what you already might have left over of clinical data, uh, your claims. And that's what we do with customers. Sit down and talk and this analyze and, and give them assignments because yeah, we, we, we don't have the context. They have the context for their products, but they should be able to get the data. No, I think it's... it's they have to retest. I think it's exactly that. Uh, we discussed uh, that also uh, during uh, one uh, LinkedIn live we've met with Stefan Boleininger about uh, how to build uh, uh, MDR project. And yeah, we also yeah. mentioned the fact that the information are really um, coming from the customer because we are not specialists on all their products or all their history or all their context. No. So uh, this, is, this should be coming from, from them. And yeah, but the nice thing is within our group, uh, we uh, all the people that work within a group, they have the background in the medical device industry and also have the technical background to 
to be able to say, okay, this is data that is valuable, that is valid, and that can qualify and use, and you can use it, and and then put it together for them if needed. Uh, we we also like to 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 have the companies do it themselves as much as possible. Yeah, the right guidance so we can actually teach them along the way, uh, because we we do have quite a number of clients from now and in the past, and if they we already said two years ago, if they all come to us at the same moment in time or within this you know time frame. We cannot help them. Yeah. Nobody can. Not not even the bigger consultancies. They cannot. Uh, there's simply not enough data. So we need to train the people along the way, and that's what we do. That's great. I think it's really. Yeah, I teach you everything I know. You know, no problem. But you know that cannot be done in an hour or two hour or you know whatever. No. Uh, it's so it's a project. Treat it as a project. Exactly. Treat it as a project. It's ah, one of the yeah, it's, it's one of the pitfalls that we've made also uh, when we discussed with Angelina Hakim is about uh, not treating uh, your MDR upgrade as a project, which can be really uh, damageable no, for, for you. Forget it. Yeah. You're, you're okay. Out. So, um, uh, Robert, so where can people follow up with you if they have more questions maybe on this, on this concept of uh, benefit risk, etc.? So is there a place? Where uh, yeah, please share uh, by some very nice uh, link uh, in your screen uh, yeah. somewhere here. I will do uh, that, no problem. <laughs> uh, share, share my LinkedIn account. Uh, that's the most accessible amount. And then we, you can ask, uh, send me a private message and then we can react and get in contact and see how we can, uh, can help out. Or you can go to our website, which will appear now here or here. Exactly. Where, uh, uh, and, and, and then uh, uh, you know, fill in the, the contact form and we get in touch with you. No problem. So I will put everything on the show notes so you can directly contact uh, Robert Van Boxtel uh, from MD Project uh, if you have any question about what we discussed today. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you have also some uh, some maybe um, advice or some um, some things to how to uh, evaluate the benefit can be also maybe you created a great method. So let's put it. Let's disclose that to the world. And see yeah, what I'd like to point out, uh, uh, Monir, is that. Uh, uh, in in the uh, uh, Topa meeting, this was the first balloon. Uh, now we have been working on it. Uh, we are discussing it now. And actually, in the reps conversions that is coming up in Brussels in the middle okay. of May, uh, I will be doing together with uh, head of notified body uh, from there a workshop on this subject to see okay what can be acceptable data and what can a notified body uh, 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 request and accept. Uh, and uh, how they will review it. Um, so so that's on the May 12th of the last May, session. May, May, which date? May 12th. Okay. And uh, it's uh, the last slot uh, on the day of that day. So you, you, yeah, we'll wake you up again. And then we get started. So if you, if you want to put that on your calendar, so uh, Rob's uh, convergence, uh, so that you can uh, you can participate in the workshop it would be I think great and you can meet also Robert and say hi for me to him uh, even if maybe I will I will try to plan you, if you're going to be there I, I will try to plan if I can come I, I will I will check my agenda and we'll see that so it will be yeah. great so Rob's, okay let's, very good let's meet let's meet our, at Rob's convergence <laughs> where is it again? sorry where is it uh, it's in Brussels. Ah, Brussels, yeah. Uh, location uh, I, I please check uh, uh, Raps International website. And, and you can find the link uh, where what the exact location is. I don't know it from my head, sorry. No problem. So I will put that anywhere also on the show notes uh, for people that want to, to, to go there. Um, okay, so great. So thank you for all this. 
thank you for the audience uh, for watching that. If you really like that, so please put a, put a comment or I'm just saying, hey, it was really great. Uh, or put a like, it would be great for me. Uh, so, um, and if you have any question, as we said, so don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, I will put everything on the show notes and uh, you can uh, you can reach, uh, reach out uh, directly to Robert also for any, uh, any topic or any discussion. Okay, Robert, so thank you for your help and I wish you a nice day. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. So if you like this episode, please provide a review on the platform where you are listening to it. And also don't forget to share it with your colleagues. Thank you very much.